This is Jay Hud, and you are listening to Yellowhammer and Sickle Podcast. Today, you're going to be looking into the Antifa movement and how they are trying to be labeled as a terrorist organization by our government um, and the crackdown against a lot of these brave people out there in the streets. Uh, the anti-fascist movement has been around since uh, around World War II. Uh, there's a book by Mark Bray called The Anti-Fascist Handbook, and um, I might actually start taking it chapter by chapter on this podcast just because a lot of people aren't really familiar with the history of Antifa. And I think it might... Uh, do some good to give some actual clarity to why this movement exists, where it came from, that it's not just a bunch of nerdy white LARPers, even though there are some nerdy white folks in the organizations. Um, But yeah, it's an ideology. It's not really an organization. So it's it's complicated. There are certain groups like Rose City Antifa, Atlanta Antifa, and we'll talk more about that later. But uh, Right now, I'm going to read something by Mark Bray that was posted on June 1st, 2020 on blackrosefed.org, which is a great website. Okay, the article is titled, Antifa Isn't the Problem, Trump's Bluster is a Distraction from Police Violence by Mark Bray, Washington Post. Did the tragic video of the police killing of George Floyd Minneapolis throw you into a fit of rage, of sadness, and despair? Did it make you want to burn down a police station? Whether it did, or more likely, did not, you might be among the many Americans who sympathize with the outburst of anger behind the overturning of police cruisers and the smashing of storefronts in cities across the country in the wake of Floyd's death. Even if you disagree with property destruction, though violent protest tactics are generally unpopular, they command attention and force us to ask, how did we get here? President Trump, Attorney General William P. Barr and their allies have a simple and convenient answer. It's Antifa and the radical left, as Trump tweeted on Saturday. In many places, Barr explained, It appears the violence is planned, organized, driven by anarchic and far-left extremist groups using Antifa-like tactics. Domestic terrorist Senator Marco Dickhead Rubio from Florida said, taking advantage of protests to further their own unrelated agenda. After another night of destruction that included the burning of the former slave market called the Market House in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Trump upped the stakes on Sunday by declaring the United States of America will be designating Antifa as a terrorist organization. Trump's reckless accusations lack evidence, like many of his claims, but they also intentionally misrepresent the anti-fascist movement in the interest of delegitimizing militant protests and deflecting attention away from the white supremacy and police brutality that protests oppose. Short for anti-fascist in many languages, Antifa, or militant anti-fascism, is a politics of social revolutionary self-defense, applied to fighting the far right, which traces its heritage back to the radicals who resisted Benito Mussolini, Adolf Hitler, and Italy and Germany a century ago. Many Americans had never heard of Antifa before mask anti-fascists smashed windows to shut down Milo Yiannopoulos's, uh <laughs> event in Berkeley, California, I can never say that guy's name, in early 2017, or confronted white supremacists in Charlottesville later that year, 
when a fascist murdered Heather Heyer and injured Moore with his car in a way that frighteningly presaged the New York police officers who drove into protesters on Saturday in Brooklyn, Antifa was there. Based on my research into Antifa groups, I believe it's true that most, if not all, members do wholeheartedly support militant self-defense against the police and the targeted destruction of police and capitalist property that has accompanied it this week. I'm also confident that some members of Antifa groups have participated in a variety of forms of resistance during this dramatic rebellion, yet it is impossible to ascertain the exact number of people who belong to Antifa groups because members hide their political activities from law enforcement and the far right. And concerns about infiltration and high expectations of commitment keep the sizes of groups rather small. Basically, there are nowhere near enough anarchists and members of Antifa groups to have accomplished such breathtaking destruction on their own. Yes, the hashtag IamAntifa trended on Twitter Sunday, suggesting a very broad support of the politics of anti-fascism. Yet there is a significant difference between belonging to an organized Antifa group and supporting their actions online. Trump's declaration seems impossible to enforce. And not only because there is no mechanism for the president to designate domestic groups as terrorist organizations. Though Antifa groups exist, Antifa itself is not an organization. Self-identified Antifa groups like Rose City Antifa in Portland, Oregon, the oldest currently existing Antifa group in the country, expose the identities of local Nazis and confront the far right in the streets. But Antifa itself is not an overarching organization with a chain of command. As Trump and his allies have been suggesting, instead, largely anarchist and anti-authoritarian Antifa groups share resources and information about far right activity across regional and national borders through loosely knit networks and informal relationships to trust and solidarity. And in the United States, Antifa has never killed anyone unlike their enemies in clan hoods and squad cars. Though the specific tradition of militant anti-fascism inspired by groups in Europe came to the United States in the 1980s with the creation of anti-racist action, a wide variety of black and Latinx groups such as the Black Panthers and Puerto Rican Movimiento oh man, I did not say that right, De Liberación Nacional situated their struggle in terms of anti-fascism in the 1970s and 1980s. Expanding the picture further, we can trace the broader tradition of collective self-defense against white supremacy and imperialism even farther back through resistance to indigenous genocide and the legacy of militant black liberation represented by Malcolm X, Robert F. Williams, CLR, James, Ida B. Wells, Harriet Tubman, and slave rebellions. This black radical tradition, black feminism, and more recent abolitionist politics influenced by organizations like Critical Resistance and Survived and Punished clearly inform the actions of protesters far more than Antifa, though there are black Antifa and others who have been influenced by all of the above. Trump is conjuring the specter of Antifa, while Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz blames white supremacists and the cartel to break the connection between this popular groundswell of anti-racist and black activism that has developed over the recent years and the insurrections that have exploded across this country in the recent days, which put police brutality in full view, whether they agree with how it got there or not. Paradoxically, this move actually suggests a tacit acknowledgement of popular sympathy with the grievances and the tactics of the protesters. If torching malls and police stations were sufficient on their own to legitimize protests, there would be no need to blame Antifa. 
This is not the first time Trump or other GOP politicians have called for Antifa to be declared a terrorist organization. So far, such calls have amounted to little more than rhetoric, but they carry an ominous potential. If Antifa groups are composed of a wide range of socialists, anarchists, communists, and other radicals, then declaring Antifa to be a terrorist organization would pave the way to criminalizing and delegitimizing de all politics to the left of Joe Biden. But in the case of the George Floyd protest, right-wing attempts to blame everything on Antifa, perceived by many to be predominantly white, events a kind of racism that assumes that black people couldn't organize on this deep and wide of a scale. Trump and his allies also have a, a more specific move. If the flames and the broken glass were simply blamed on Antifa or outsiders, as if anyone had to travel very far to protest. Let's see, what protests are going on in all 50 states? Not an article, but just throwing that out there. Then the urgency would shift from addressing the root causes of Floyd's death to figuring out how to stop the shadowy boogeyman Trump rails against. Even if you disagree with property destruction, it's easier to see the chain of events between Floyd's death and burning police cars. Trump's misinformation aims to mislead us all. That's from Mark Bray. Mark Bray is a historian of human rights, terrorism, and politics in modern America. He's the author of Antifa, the Anti-Fascist Handbook, Translating Anarchy, The Anarchism of Occupy Wall Street, and the co-editor of Anarchist Education and the Modern School Francisco Ferrer Reader. He is currently a lecturer at Dartmouth College and a member of Black Rose Rosa Negra. For more from Bar Mark Bray, recommend is Trump's national emergency a step towards fascism and the podcast interview History and Ideas of Anarchism. Mark Bray on Rev Left Radio. If you haven't gotten on Rev Left Radio yet, they're one of the best leftist podcasts out there. I mean, I'm a huge Chapo Trap House fan because I like to laugh, but Rev Left Lady Radio is where you go to get the facts um i like mark's madness a lot because they're kind of like last podcast on the left meets like marxist leninists so they're a lot of fun too uh proles at the round table they're all pretty good stuff anyway so back to the current state of antifa well in alabama they are currently arresting people for peaceful protesting and they're keeping them for at least 24 hours in certain cities and also, they are questioning them. Now, who's questioning them? The police? National Guard? Even the FBI? They're asking them which organizations they're with. And my advice is to plead the fifth, but it's all going to be blamed on Antifa anyway. It's, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. We all know the, the quote. It's a longer version by the Holocaust Memorial Day Trust, a charitable uh, establishment by the UK government. Um, first they came for the communists. I did not speak out because I was not a communist. And then they came for the socialists. I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak out for me. That resonates uh, a lot with me, and it should with everyone, because that's almost the situation we're finding ourselves in right now in the United States of America. This is the closest to fascism in my lifetime, and if someone asked me if the United States was a fascist country at this point, I would say yes, uh, without hesitation. But, you know, that's coming from a place of privilege, so there are probably many other people that would have said this a long time ago. It's, it's, a, it's very frustrating times.
Uh, and it, it seems like things are going to just keep boiling and keep boiling and keep boiling. It's, it's, it's gotten to where if you go out in peaceful protest, you expect to either get shot by tear gas, get hit with rubber bullets, get beat with batons, or get, you know, gas bombed, get kettled into a small area, fired, and you're going to be arrested for over 25 hours. And what's this for? This is this is to protest police violence. This is to protest murder by the state. Now it's a lot of it's to protest systemic racism, systemic violence. Incredibly disheartening to watch. I hope that we, I mean, what we have to do is come together, get organized, stay organized, win. Um, tomorrow I will be going to a protest in Albertville. Um, it's going to be a peaceful protest, and I will let you guys know how it goes on the next episode. We'll be seeing how Albertville used to be a sundown uh, city. I don't know if you guys know what that means, but, you know, back in the days of the Jim Crow South, it meant, you know, racial slur, the sun better not go down on you. And that, that was like, if the sun's down, it's free game. And it's frustrating to see these curfews because it, it reminds me of all I've read of the Jim Crow South, and it breaks my heart, and it makes me angry. And we should all be angry right now. We should be furious that things like this are going on in our country. Okay, a little bit more about Antifa. There's a white nationalist group posing as Antifa called for violence on Twitter. Other misinformation and misleading claims spread across Twitter on Sunday night and into Monday related to the protests. This is on NBC News, fuck NBC, but we're going to read this anyway. By Ben Collins, Brandy Zadrazoni, and Emmanuel Zaliba. Well, those are names I probably fucked up. A Twitter account claiming to belong to a national Antifa organization and pushing violent rhetoric related to ongoing protests has been linked to the white nationalist group Identity Europa, according to a Twitter spokesperson. Um, if you don't know who they are, um, I'm pretty sure they were at Charlottesville. I've seen their, their name plenty, but I study uh, these white nationalist groups um, for my free time because I'm a fucking weirdo. Spokesperson said the account violated the company's platform manipulation and spam policy, specifically the creation of fake accounts. Twitter suspended the account after a tweet that incited violence. As protests were taking place in multiple states across the U.S. Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday night, the newly created account at Antifa underscore USA, Jesus, they could have come up with some better than that, tweeted, Tonight's the night, comrades, with the brown raised fist emoji. Tonight we say F the city and we move into the residential areas, the white hoods, and we take what's ours. Oh, man. So none of us, hopefully, will tweet anything ever that cringe. Um, if we do, <laughs> fucking maybe Antifa does need to be canceled. <laughs> anyway, this isn't the first time Twitter has taken action against fake accounts uh, engaged in hateful conduct linked to identity for Europa, according to the spokesperson. Antifa movement, a network of loosely organized radical groups who use direct action to fight far-right and fascism, has been targeted by Donald Trump as the force behind some of the violence and property destruction seen at the protests through little evidence has been provided for such claims. Other misinformation and misleading claims spread across Twitter on Sunday night and into Monday related to the protest. Two hashtags that trended worldwide on Twitter falsely claimed that there was a cover-up or a blackout of protests in Washington, D.C. overnight. Both appeared to insinuate that protesters have been silenced in some way, 
perhaps by a secret internet blackout. Twizzer says that it has removed the trend from its trending topic section because of coordinated attempts to disrupt the public conversation around the protest. Twitter said it has suspended several hundred accounts and is investigating the viral spread of the hashtag, which it said was boosted by hundreds of spamming accounts. We're taking action proactively on any coordinated attempts to disrupt the public conversation around the issue, a Twitter spokesperson said. The spokesperson said the company sometimes pulls down hashtags that violate the company's rules, like platform manipulation. We want trends to promote healthy discussions on Twitter. This means at times we may prevent certain content from trending. Those include trends that violate Twitter rules, the Twitter spokesperson said. Netblocks, a nonprofit group monitoring worldwide internet access, found no indication of mass scale internet disruption in the Washington area overnight or in the last 48 hours. Journalists covering the protests also took to Trover Twitter to disprove the hoax. A lot of the people are asking me about a possible hashtag DC blackout. I've been out near the White House since 4 a.m. and haven't experienced any outage, tweeted Victoria Sanchez, reporter for WJLA. The local ABC affiliate adding that her colleagues had posted multiple updates throughout the night. Many accounts tweeting the message had few to no followers. The same messages were also posted on Reddit and 4chan late Sunday. The post pu pushing the DC blackout hashtag peaked in popularity around 12.30 a.m. Eastern Monday. A second narrative boosted by bots and hacking accounts claimed the DC blackout is misinformation campaign. Same message was tweeted verbatim by multiple accounts. Yeah, someone seeing the hashtag DC blackout trending who lives and works in the DC metro area and who has friends telecommuting into DC, this hashtag looks like misinformation, read the tweet, which was posted hundreds of times. Some of the accounts had few to no followers, while others were posted by users who claimed to have been hacked. One verified user, Jason Elias, said his account was hacked to tweet the message. I lives in Oklahoma City, and he said he wouldn't go to Washington unless they built an in and out there. He said he hasn't changed his password since. The goal of this, this hashtag seemed to be to sow confusion and fear during a chaotic time and push the DC blackout hashtag to the front page of Twitter, where all users would be at least glance at the misinformation. Okay. So that's, that's uh, I kind of ended up reading into another article, I believe. But, um, the DC, uh, blackout hashtag i remember everyone talking about that and i was a little bit worried because all the live streams actually did drop that i was watching from dc that night because i've been watching all the war room um live streams on uh gushin's twitch and we were like i was honestly worried at work the next day when i saw those uh mass tweets but then when i came home there were dc streams again so i don't really know um i think it's frustrating and I do think that with the FBI questioning people that are being arrested, even in Alabama, it makes me worry about people being arrested all over, especially in D.C. We know they're going to go through your phone. So, like, you know, maybe maybe keep something uh, water size you can drop your phone in before you get arrested. I don't know. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, the encrypted apps, I don't know. They can try to get in. It's 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 tricky times. Uh, comrades um, and then we have all these different misinformation campaigns all that I know is when I get the boots of the ground coverage I know people are always like can I have a source and it's like no you can't are you an idiot like no you're not getting a source for this like <laughs> do you know what time we're living in right now this is basically like you know you can turn me in for being a red time um, 
I hope that you guys understand a little bit more about Antifa now and their response to this. I know that Atlanta Antifa had something to say. They said, last night a newly created Twitter account named at Antifa underscore USA claimed that Antifa would now begin looting wide suburban neighborhoods. All of us in actual anti-fascist groups knew it was fake, of course. But now with this article, we've gotten rock-solid confirmation the white supremacists at Identity Europa and American Identity Movement were behind the fake viral tweet. We'd like to take this opportunity to remind you all that Identity Europa American Identity Movement is very present in Georgia. In fact, their director of activism, Justin Peak, is living and hiding in Metro Atlanta. Take a look and see if you've encountered him. <laughs> There's their picture of him. Evan Thomas Anderson, Evan Kuttner, and Patrick Shark are also members who live in the Atlanta metro area, and Charles Robertson is an adult student at Georgia Southern, attempting to radicalize younger students with racist, anti-immigrant class presentation videos. And they have another link. We welcome any information on these organized racists. Promise to keep all tips anonymous and emailed securely to their email. Uh, so check out Atlanta Antifa on Facebook. I highly recommend them. Um, they do solid coverage. They do solid work. Um, I can vouch for these comrades, at least digitally. I have not met them in person. So yeah, all the jokes about me being the CEO of Antifa have definitely been jokes. Um, it's just a common joke we have here on the left. Okay, so we're going to go back to um, the misinformation about Antifa in Alabama specifically and how the Attorney General Steve Marshall is spouting a bunch of BS about anarchists attempting to hijack peaceful protests. Um, in Huntsville, they were claiming that uh, there were weapons and, you know, all sorts of stuff stockpiled and dropped down like some professional quote-unquote anarchists were in charge of it. Um, all the, the protests were peaceful. If you saw the picture of the bald cop, um, no ball chaming, just um, where were his ears? Anyway, um, if you saw the picture of the bald cop's head, that he especially got injured. I've had worse injuries shaving, um, and I'm talking about my face, not what his head looked like, which was a testicle or thumb. And so... <laughs> That was pretty entertaining to look at because it did not look like an actual injury to me, especially since, you know, people I know are getting rubber bullets in the back of the leg, which if you know what the rubber bullets are, they tend to have metal in them and they tend to stick inside you and you might not know that they are still there until the next day and it's terrifying. They will fuck you up. If you go outside, Please wear protective goggles. Order some now that you can that are impact resistant because they will take your eye straight the fuck out. And those canisters will cause a lot more damage. I've seen plenty of protesters get hit face first with them at point blank range. Those things do a lot more damage than a fucking water bottle. You know, and if you've ever been in a local band, man. <laughs> You know, getting hit with a water bottle ain't no thing. That's just a normal night. Now, if you get hit with a full cup of beer, that's a good night. If you get hit with a actual bottle, you probably need to, you know, join a new band. <laughs> or you're playing in the wrong venue. But yes, um, 
that's just state sanctioned violence like that's all it is and they're they're using the guise of antifa trying to find out which organizations they're trying to find out who is organized and who isn't and they're, they're mainly coming after antifa and probably black lives matter i would assume um because blm works outside of the system as well and uh of course any communist and anarchist parties um just don't let them know that you are a part of any i am not a part of any party i am just someone making a podcast that is making fun of the most right-wing news source in our state and i would never condone any of this behavior but if you do go out to a protest definitely have eye protection uh water actually works better than milk and uh, yeah milk you're just gonna have milk on your face like it might feel better for a few seconds but like generally you're just you're just gonna have milk on your face um so yeah milk works if it's around but water is better because it hydrates and also like you can have it around without them thinking you know otherwise like i got milk you know um or or person um so you know now i'm recommending long sleeves and pants and assume you're going to be arrested assume you might lose your job assume you'll be questioned by the fbi and assume the worst um assume you're going to be in a paddy wagon assume you're going to be kettled beat the shit out of uh hit with every type of weaponry assume that you won't be out for 24 hours and assume that they have no sympathy the boot that was on the neck of george floyd is the boot they want on all of our necks and we need to keep fighting for him and for all future generations by the way it's uh brianna taylor's birthday who was killed by louisville police in march and she would have been celebrating her 27th birthday on friday um june 5th which is today and um yeah that's she's younger than me folks she was killed in her sleep um by the police and um that's that's where we're at a black woman killed in her sleep i mean there was a, another report of a, a man killed um they thought he was armed but it turns out he had a hammer but he was shot with his hands up and he was on his knees and he was killed and i saw that on the news today um i believe he was hispanic but i'm not quite sure anyway i just keep hearing so many reports of people being killed by the police it's hard to keep up like the say their name which name thing is becoming more and more i mean we're gonna have such a such a big wall once the revolution is over um read into that how you want to so yeah um I guess that's kind of wrapping up this podcast. I just kind of wanted to do a little uh, second update so you guys didn't get disinterested. And I'm hoping to be able to add music soon and add something that I've heard about called guests soon. So uh, we can talk about topics and it's not just me rambling into a microphone. And I might start covering the Antifa handbook chapter by chapter. But I will be keeping you updated as always, about what's going on in the South, and let's get that cornbread communism cooking, you know, that um, artichoke anarchism, I don't know, uh, fuck it, I tried there, the rift zone did not quite work.
Anyway, uh, this is Jay Hyde from Yellowhammer and Sickle. Good night, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. And stay vigilant. Stay organized. Mobilize. Good night.